This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene, and today we're talking about the importance of canon in RPGs. Well, what happens if I don't have any canons in my world? You are a dork. <laughs> dork. Canon, yes. I guess can. Why is it called canon? I don't understand. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But canon is what? Keeping the story straight if there is a pre-established setting in a game, in an RPG game. For example, Star Wars has canon, right? Star Wars has movies and D&D has canon too. Oh yes. But uh, yeah, you're right, correct. Well, D&D settings have canon. D&D itself it does it have does it come with an established then setting? Then why are we discussing canon? Well, canon in different games, right? The canon is, could be Star Wars game. Yes. Star Trek. I was just pointing out because you started out with something else. Oh. That. Well, and D&D has canon if you adhere to or use, let's say, the Forgotten Realms uh, world or universe. A lot of people, I think, use their own. Genres have canon. Right. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer RPG, right? So depending on what show or medium or books, whatever you're using as canon for your game, whether it's a science fiction role-playing game, an adventure game, fantasy game, things that have some... IPs have role-playing games based on them. For example, The Lord of the Rings has had multitude of uh, different games. And for a set of books, there are maybe, what, five, six books, re- really, that Tolkien wrote? Maybe more, but I don't think it's that much. There's a lot of canon out there in those books, right? You know, there's a lot of history and stuff like that. And then, like, Star Wars, well, before they killed the expanded universe, there there was, like, hundreds of books out there that were canon the books are still out there yes but they're not they're officially not part of the star wars movie universe anymore i'm sure there are some people <laughs> that would disagree with you well i, I mean what's funny is that i actually read quite a bit of those books not not okay not quite a bit because they keep making more but i've read like 20 or 30 books based on the star wars universe either between or after i can't attest to that between, they're in my bookshelf <laughs> between or after the movies uh and I really enjoyed them, and I thought they were pretty neat stories. And then when the new movies came out, they totally X'd out of and said the Expanded Universe no longer was canon, which has set off a lot of people, but it doesn't really matter. But th- Which that... proves the point that canon is important to people. I mean, you, you talk to any Star, Star, Trek, Star Trek fan, and you'll find that canon is important, right? Extremely important. Well, well okay. The, the, now, Star Trek people... I, I hate to say, it might be a little bit more of a... You better watch what you say. Please give me the evil eye before I say anything. Star Trek fans tend to be rabid in their love of their... I would not use the term rabid associated with fans. fans. Okay. Well, no, but but they're the classic fan that that you see or you are used as examples of these fans that, that really get into the world or the universe of the they are the first people that i've ever been to a convention where i have seen them literally quote the episode the name of the episode the number of the episode exactly what happened in the episode and the actors who played the in the episode look at them and go i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) 
which is me sitting in the chair going, huh? Well, exactly. So, I mean, the fact that they're... But they're not the only ones. No, 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 no. Because but... people... just I'm just going to give you an example okay. of Seven Wonders, the board game. Oh, okay. I've played in tournaments with this, and I, I really enjoy like... the board game. I really do, too. And some of these people know all the names of the cards. Right. I have never taken the time to learn all no. the names of the cards. You are correct. So if you tell me a name of a card... I'm just going to look at you like you're insane. If you show me the card, I can tell you I, what it does. There's a few that I remember. The one's called the Phalanx, and it's worth like four or five armies or things. See, I don't even I, – I, <laughs> I could do that, but, you know, I just want to know what the card does. I don't need to know the name of it. So the, the that in reference to canon, like when you're talking about Star Trek, there's – people who go overboard in their in their enthusiasm and know everything right and they have their own ideas about it okay yeah and that's what i'm talking about is that there's people out there who are a lot of fan, or i don't know i like to say uh, maybe rabid fan is not the word but committed fan right they Extreme. really they, they really like the, the the universe they know quite a bit about it and when i run star treks at conventions you know back pre-covid 19 i would always I would always, you know, uh, be very upfront about my knowledge, my limited knowledge of Star Trek, you know, to the people who I played with or I was running the games for. And and because because my I admit my own what limited knowledge of Star Trek verse lore, lore right? Canon, you know, I might make mistakes about things that happen or would likely happen or not happen. You know, or I might get, you know, different uh designations of uh rank mixed up or whatever whatever it is that's okay because they changed the rank well yeah okay there you go see so i am very aware that canon means a lot to people who are star trek fans and honestly when i run a star trek game at a convention usually there's at least half the people at my table are star trek fans and i would put them in that category close to that guy who who asked the actors the question and asked them about what they were feeling the character was feeling when they did this act in a certain episode. And, and it was funny because, like, the actor was like, yeah, I don't know which episode that is. You got to give me. I need more information. Yes, I need more information. <laughs> and then, like, and then when, the, when, the, when the person described the situation, he goes, oh, yes, I remember that one. And he goes, I don't know, I forget what the, what the answer was. But canon is important. To... Oddly enough, usually in your Star Trek games at conventions, half of the people are very very knowledgeable about Star Trek. And then there's yes. usually one or two who have never even seen Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, which is, is a strange thing, but it's very interesting. Yes. You know, in the last game I had two people, a husband and wife team, and they were very, they were very nice. I, you know, I would love to have them in my game again, but they were very, they loved Star Trek. And I could tell, you know, they probably had gone to Star Trek conventions and, but they were the nicest players in my game, you know, because, because I knew I wasn't getting everything correct, but they were more than happy to let that slide. Because, and I like, to, like I said, I I start the game by saying, you know what, I am not an expert in this game or in the lore. If I make a slum, a small mistake or something that contradicts uh, with the Star Trek universe, this is just an alternate universe. This is Saul's alternate Star Trek universe. Which every Star Trek fan will tell you is perfectly plausible because <laughs> alternate universes are everywhere. <laughs> anyway, and so, timelines. so that that's cool. You know, and so I think, you know, people who are fans of a, of a certain genre are willing to, you know, overlook small 
Small things. Small things. Overlook small incursions or, or... But there are certain things that you learned when you did the place test for Star Trek, just with your family and friends, that which I, I you know I, I I guess I should you shouldn't play this with your family or friends because they can be very brutal. Well, because he said this thing about the the that shield incident, the shield and yes, the you have a shuttle and there are no shields. To which three of us just looked at him and go, "What do you mean there are no shields? All shuttles have shields." To which he he could have said something simply like, "What." Well, that that was the thing. Is what was weird was well, I was I, we were involved in the playtest of Modifius's uh, Star Trek Adventures, and and I had the playtest materials and I had the rules and you know I had you know I had printed them out and they gave you a, a an adventure to run, and it was a pretty straightforward adventure, you know, and the, the characters got into a shuttle and the thing was is that it was a uh, there was no there was no uh, information about the shuttle right in the playtest materials. And when the characters, players said, oh, uh, we're going to turn on the, sh- the shields, right? I go, oh, this doesn't have shields. Because to me, it didn't make sense for the for the game to continue the way it would have, the way it was written in the in the module or the adventure. And then they, the, the three of them, the, now the other four people in my game were like, oh, okay, that's no, no big deal. But the three of my uh, fans of Star Trek were like, well, that's ridiculous. Every shield, you know, and I, I heard it. And I heard it, and I heard it some more. So what was weird is, is if I was a smarter and quicker thinking GM, I would have said, "Oh yeah, you're right. You know, this does have shields." What I meant was that the shields are inoperable, offline, that the, off inoperable or offline, and uh, the hydrostatic uh, warpner field uh, array is missing, which is critical for shield generation. Right? Just throw some gobbledygook at them, and it would have worked. <laughs> but instead, I stuck to my guns. My in this case my phasers and uh i said no this doesn't have shields it doesn't come with shields and then it, you know. it doesn't come with shields was the mistake he made because our <laughs> friend chris is like what are you talking about so it was funny and at the same time it wasn't super critical no right uh what happened was you know it didn't it really didn't matter right and so but it does show that that canon is important and things like that can be important little things right like to me i didn't care you know because it wasn't important to me because i'm not I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of Star Trek, but I'm not a uber fan or or a real serious fan. So to me, it, it made sense that this sh- this, sh- this shuttle didn't have shields, and to them, it was like, well, that doesn't make sense, and that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want your you your... don't want that Doctor Fillmore moment where is this a deal breaker, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that one. So yeah, exactly. And so I think people who say they don't care about canon, and that's fine. I think you're right. You know, it's your game. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, it's your universe. You know, and I remember years ago I was reading a Tecmo book, uh, which is based. For those of you who don't know, it's Empire of the Throne. It was TSR's first fantastical play setting setting i guess and uh, but it has this huge lore behind it. it has this huge amount of information about the world and stuff and in the book it's in one of the books it says you know once you have this book this is yours this is your world right it's your version of this world and you can do with it with anything you want and i, and I like that idea right that's you know that's why you know i was telling jolene earlier that when i run games that have a based on an IP with a Star Wars, Firefly, and the One Ring, you know, I tell people, you know what, I'm not an expert, but at the same time, I want to make sure that 
that the people who are playing in that game feel like they're actually playing in that in the world that they know that they recognize as as either Lord of the Rings or Middle Earth or Star Wars and Star Trek. So it's a kind of a fine line, right? Because you want to make the world your own or you want to make the setting your own. You want to you have these adventures that you want to run that may kind of like butt up against what is known about the world. And you had an interesting idea is that what was the, Well, are we talking about the Forgotten Realms thing? Yes. So I did, I of course did research because that's what I do. And I did, I came across this article from, I think it's 2007. So it's a long time ago. So obviously this is a conversation that's been going on for a while. And this one guy says, I can't understand why anyone cares about the details of whether something is canon or not, if you're doing a role-playing game, because to do a role-playing game, you don't have to adhere to things. And so he got a lot of, a lot of uh, GMs answering him saying you know (laughs) if you're gonna use something like forgotten realms there's a reason if you're using a published adventure from forgotten realms or you're using the maps and the 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 setting the setting then it comes along with expectations your players are going to have right they're going to expect that there's going to be certain npcs there that certain things are going to happen um if you're going to use eberron and you say all the gods are dead then and all the guilds are gone then you might have problems why are you doing it why why do you want to destroy your 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 players knowledge of the world right and and is your players are your players going to have fun and the answer that everybody is giving is no <laughs> because if if you tell me we're going to go to eberron and you tell me there's no guilds and no gods then what's the point of us being here why why put it in eberron why yeah put it somewhere else yes why in Forgotten Realms, what was the, there was a couple of things that you talked about. Oh, the time uh, of troubles and stuff like that. Yeah, like, or you want Elminster to be dead? Fine. Set it in a, in a different time period where it's plausible that he's dead. Right. But even Saul was saying that in, they changed the Forgotten Realms lore or they've added to it. Right, because the it advanced. The world, yeah, yeah, the world advanced. Fourth edition and fifth edition. So. Right. So I was just, yeah, we were having that discussion not too long ago about how I have not advanced the world of Forgotten Realms out of 3.5 edition rules or events that I set it uh, forward. I only went forward like 10 years for the new characters, which probably was like in real world. It's about 10 years since, well, it's probably been longer. Longer than that. Yeah, since I think Forgotten Realms, the 3.5 uh, setting, which I think is one of the best setting books. Is it 3.5 or 3.0? It might be just 3.0. Uh, the setting and it has a ton of information, you know, and a t- and a tiny script or, or font because there's so much information and it's in a tiny font that it gives you more information than you would get if you had a big old huge letters. But of course, now that I'm <laughs> over fifty, you know, it's tough to read, and so I don't look at that book too much. But I find the setting really f- useful and it has a ton of ideas and a ton of stuff that never has been uh utilized and my now i started that game in 2001 2001 and i played about till 2011 and then uh we you know we switched from 3.0 to 3.5 pathfinder and i skipped fourth fourth edition and then uh my new group well my new group which includes my son and his friends and our friends who are adults obviously uh, we they made new characters 
and they're playing in the same world that my first group played, but just a few years later. So everything that my first players, my first group of players did is still in the world. You know, they, they, there's the towns that they it's started. It's new canon. <laughs> it's, yeah, canon to my specific world of Forgotten Realms. And and I think that's okay. You know, that's neat. You know, that's neat for them. They see names of previous characters that went before them. They have the towns named after them and stuff like that. So they think it's pretty neat. And one player, the Steve, is... Was in both of them. Was in both. Is in both of them. So he, you know, so he's he's recognizes the names that I use and stuff. So that's pretty neat. But canon, in in a certain sense, is important because because you're right. When people hear, oh, I'm gonna be in a Star Trek game, and they come to my table, and I'm saying, okay, so you have a lightsaber, and your name is Jedi, and they're like, whoa, uh, you know, know, I, I made a joke with Jolene about, you know, your your peanut butter and my chocolate is not good. Uh, didn't I didn't to... laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so she told me not to use that joke. But but some things don't work well together. And mix mashing things like that without players knowing about it beforehand. You know, if you say Unless you're playing it's a campy game, right? Yes. Where you where you specifically say, "I've just mixed these universes together." Here you go. Right, and I'm talking about con games, and even at a home game. If I said, if I told my friends, "Oh, uh, what is it? I'm gonna play a, a Star Trek game." And then I do that kind of stuff. They they might look at me kind of funny and say, "Well, well why did you call it a Star Trek game? What is it? The bait and switch people don't like, you know? Oh, yeah, right? people don't like that." So I mean, I've toyed with that idea. I've toyed with that idea of in my home group of starting a game with the like the illusion that I'm going to run a certain kind of game. For example, I've thought about this. I was going to run a straightforward World War II military campaign, right? That they land a little bit after D Day and they're doing stuff, but then I change it and I instead of just a straight World War Two adventure game, I make it into a weird world, weird World War Two with zombies and and werewolves and Nazi werewolves and stuff like that. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that, by the way. <laughs> well, I don't think so, but some people may not like that kind of bait and switch. Cause I'm talking about your home group. Yes, they would just expect it to be normal. <laughs> But some people, you know, you're right. There's that expectation when they sit down at a table, uh, whether it's a home group or especially a, a, a con game, that if you say it's a Star Trek game and you start mixing you know, Star things. Wars and Firefly and stuff like that, they're like, uh, this no. is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And so in that case, it's it's important. At the same time, I run a, a One Ring game, and the One Ring is a Middle Earth game, and... At one of the parts of the adventure, I threw in this character called the Bloody Ghost, which is uh, a.k.a. Gollum. So the player characters were able to capture Gollum, right? Now, now the players knew kind of knew who he was, but the characters didn't know who he was. He was just some vile creature that had been killing goats and eating things and stuff like that. So then they get attacked by these other orcs, and the little whiskery rascal gets away, right? Of course, because, you know, you can't... This is... The One Ring takes place like 40 years before uh, Frodo's you know, journey, journey, right? Or before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Fellowship of the Ring. So, you know, th- there's always a risk when you throw, throw like they could have killed him right away because they did capture him. So they could have, one of them could have just, we're just going to kill this vile creature. So then it would have just been an alternate universe after that, right? Or it could have been somebody that not, not, Gollum, not Gollum, right? Someone like Gollum. Something like Gollum, right? Exactly. But, you know, you always run the risk of introducing something to somebody important from the world and the player characters doing something really weird and that would ruin the story later on. 
I also think like we've talked about Shadowrun before, but the idea that the beginning canon of Shadowrun has you actually jacking into things with uh, <laughs> like pull, oh, putting the... a wire into your yeah. Into you're your talking head. about the actual rules, yeah. Yeah, the, and then but when they updated it, they actually changed the canon or advance the universe right because that's not the same i mean it was made such a long time ago there were no cell phones where you could look up everything you didn't right. carry little computers with you like we do today and, and computers that can act like phones that can connect to other computers without wires right yes all kinds of different things it's so. crazy now you know if you think about it you know how much has changed in the let's say i'm gonna, I'm gonna say 40 years since I think 40 years yeah. since uh, 1989 is 88 is when Shadowrun. Shadowrun came out. And I'm looking at what, what year is it? 2020. <laughs> 2020. So 30 years, right? Yeah. Anyway, my math is terrible. So 30 years since it came out, huge changes in, in technology have happened. Now, it's just a, it is mind boggling that it has nothing to do with canon, but I just I'm just I'm just boggles the mind. Huge strides have been made in the in the in, in the real world that outpaced the, the game the game and so things had to change in the game we've talked about that with lots of lots of games like twilight 2000, 2000 especially twilight 2000 um, right? also, you know, that's uh, hilarious because the, like you know, everybody was expecting the cold war to end in the nuclear war right or limited nuclear war hopefully right so all of those canon ideas are, are good and, and t different timelines. A dark conspiracy. We were we were talking to um, Marcus Bone about it, and he says that you know anything you do in dark conspiracy can com be considered an alternate timeline or an alternate alternate, alternate history or whatever you want to call it. So so there's there's always that idea. Canon is is important in a way for those games, but you can change things, and sometimes you have to change things with the way that the the world changes, right? Yes. But when you're talking about Forgotten Realms or Star Wars or Star Trek, then changing the canon probably isn't going to add, what do you want to call it? Make your players admire your great skills <laughs> because you've decided to get rid of all the gods or make lightsabers not possible or... Right. Oh, yeah. That's how you take out lightsabers out of your Star Trek game. I didn't Star even... Trek, you mean... I'm starting Star Wars. <laughs> Your Star Wars games, or you know, you you take out the, I don't know what you take out, but but it might make people upset. And right. so, why is canon? You know, ultimately, why is canon important? Or why isn't it important? I think ultimately, it's, it's player expectation. Yes, that's the number one thing. You know, it, when you say it's a certain kind of game, if you say you're going to be playing in Forgotten Realms or Eberron, right. or you're on what's the the moon in Star Wars? Never mind the Death Star. <laughs> no. Or you're playing in, you know, Star Wars, the it's the New Hope era. Right? Oh, yeah. The, oh, where the Ewoks are. Yes. Uh, oh, my God. I forget the... Yeah, it's okay. But if you, <laughs> if you say you're going to be playing in a certain area or you're going to be playing Star Trek when Captain Kirk is, is around versus when the next generation happens, right. then you should probably stick to those canons and not destroy the whole world by doing something that the players aren't going to expect. <laughs> well, don't, don't tell J.J. Uh, Abrams that, right? <laughs> the, the reboot. Because he destroyed Vulcan, didn't he? Yes. But that, but we consider that just, what, the Kelvin timeline or something? I don't know. It gets kind of crazy. So, exactly. You know, player expectation. And with player expectation is player interest, right? Because to me, 
Why do you want the players interested? Because you want them engaged at your table. You want them to stay interested in the game that you're taking. Immersion into that yes. era. And, and, you know, and I, I was going to say you want them to pay attention to the game that you're, store, that you're telling. But no, you want them involved in the game that you are shared telling, right? right. Because like... You know, I've talked. I talked about how I run my games. I kind of just throw out an idea or a situation or a, a problem, and I just expect them to to figure out how to solve it. I don't usually. I mean, of course, I'm going to have an idea of how I would solve it, but then again, it's never matched any <laughs> any time anything. That, that Especially the if he gives a mystery to up. a bunch of people who <laughs> usually, you know, just hack and slash things. <laughs> but we do figure these things out. Okay, so player expectation becomes players interest in the game and so you want players to be interested in the game that they're playing and the more interested they are the better the game is right because they're active they're like you said they were they're immersed in this world that you're creating and they're actively telling the story or doing the adventure and they're having fun and yeah and by that time they're having fun because if because if they're their expectations are met for the most part and they're interested you know what more do you want in a player you know, at your table, you know, and game continuity. Yeah. It's kind of good to, to have some continuity to, cause I think if the, the closer you are to Canon, especially to those kind of games, players really get excited, right? Like, Oh, they were really, if they're, if, if you're playing the game where you're changing all kinds of ideas about star Wars, whatever universe you're in. And so they walk away to like, Oh, well, okay. That was fun. But if it's really close to what happened or to the lore of the, of the, of the world, the universe that you're playing in, and they're part of that. You know, if they feel that they're part of that, then they, I think it ratchets up their ex, their excitement and their and their fun. Because then after the adventure's over, like, oh yeah, I can see. You know, like it's really part of you're added to the to the canon of the world, right? In in oh, to you the haven't universe. taken away things. You've just right. given them a a brush with Darth Vader yes. or uh, and, you, and you put you them saw in that him world, walking that way. Yeah, you turn left and he turned right, right, and yeah. like. Oh, you know, it's, you know, it and makes so you, it makes you feel like you're actually there versus, right. oh, no, he was killed 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> when I've done this su- successfully, successfully and, uh, and and use canon well, it's when players really feel like they're in the world. It really feels like like they're in a movie. Right. If they're if I'm running a Star Wars game and they feel like they're in some different, well, not different, but some uh, new movie then that's what I, that's what I, I've done my job. I've done the job as best as I can where they feel like they're actually part of the universe and they're adding to the canon, right? That their adventure doesn't doesn't break canon, doesn't cause a Luke Skywalker to die a young death or stuff like that. But they there's that brush between uh, the canon of the movies and, and the adventure that they're in and that makes it more real to them and, and makes it more fun in my eyes. I would just say that when we played Alien... Or the uh, alien game. Yes. That knowing that there are the aliens there, and you know they're on the ship, <laughs> you just don't see them. It adds to the. It, so if you took the aliens out of the world, then it would just be a, a space shipping kind of thing, right? Right, right. Where when you know that they're there, it makes it much more exciting and thrilling, and your stress level goes up because. You don't know where they're gonna pop out and get you, right? Right. And the weird thing about that game is, it's almost like it's almost better if there's no aliens, right? Because you might live. Players are expecting it, right? And they're like, you know, they're being really cautious, and they're, 
you know, and I'm, you know, and you never see the alien. Yeah, there's creaky noises all over the ship of this old derelict ship that's flying somewhere or whatever. Any sound or any check that they make that they, oh, you hear a, you hear something, you know, rattling in the in the. You did that once cargo. Um, on, <laughs> and when you when when we did the airlock thing and yes. let all the air out of the ship, you hear a thud thud, and you see this thing fly off into space, <laughs> and everyone went. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you could use canon to ratchet up tension in certain games or or make it more real in in, in certain adventures so what are the cons about canon you know what, what what's what's wrong with it well sometimes if you need to change anything there's always rule zero right but you don't want to change the canon too much right right so i would say uh it could it could kind of straight jacket the the adventure or the players that if they have to stick to canon if that if they believe that you know I don't know I if, can't do this because that would break something. The only thing I can think of is like let's say in the Lord of the Rings game, right? There's a Lord of the Rings game by Decipher that follows the movie. The One Ring no, or no, the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings that follows the movie that you know, that was made in two thousand one. And there's a supplement in it where you could it has the adventure of the Fellowship of the Ring, where you do the Fellowship of the Ring adventure. Now, would you want to play in that? No. Game? I think I have it, but I've never read it. And it goes, I think I got it in a, in a bundle of books that I bought. And I'm thinking, why would anybody want to play in that game? No, you, I think you always want to play off to the side adventure, right? <laughs> yeah, you want you to meet the people, but you don't want to be one of them. Right. You want to brush up against them in a certain sense. In, a, in an adventure or see them in passing or meet them on the road and then they go on. Cause then that's happened too. Like I introduced in the one ring, I introduced the, or I introduced Gollum into the game. And at the same time now, uh, I have Legolas in the game. Now, one of the characters in the game doesn't like Legolas cause he's an arrogant bastard. Right. And he's a prince, which, you know, I hit the name drop, but Shannon is the character who plays that. So he really doesn't like, Legolas, right? And he's been dropping hints about him not liking the prince of, I forget, the, the woodland realm, right? And so just to egg him on, I decided to toss in Legolas, right? <laughs> <laughs> and which was funny because like everybody knows that his character hates Legolas. So the par- the party meets Legolas and he's, you know, he's not by himself. He's actually, he's in charge of this lady who's going to the Grey Havens and going back to Valinor and all, all this other stuff. So that that was the reason they met, met each other. Now, Legolas originally isn't, he may or may not be in that adventure. And so uh, in written adventure, because I'm using a written adventure. So, but I decided to throw him in there anyway, because I knew that it would be really neat for for uh, Shannon's character to to meet his hated enemy, the person he's been bad-mouthing this whole time. And so the char- other characters, characters, the other players were like, oh, this is Legolas, mm. and then and then afterwards, like he's so handsome. And also, <laughs> I get so so, which you know, it, uh, in the game, it really you know, it was really fun, and you know, they could play all these little games with each other. Like the other players would have their characters, you know, say, "Well, I don't see what's wrong with him. You say he, he's not that attractive, but I find him very attractive. He's and he's so regal, and all this, which just makes Shannon's character, you know, get uh, even more upset." Uh, it was funny. It's fun, right? So those brushes against canon are fun. But what you don't want is this idea that they have to stay on canon, right? So it's basically a railroad. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that. No. Nobody wants to play that game. So along with that is that people, players may feel that there's no agency if they feel that 
this is the way it has to go, right? And I tell and I tell my players, no matter what game it is, you know, no matter what IP I'm using, is that you guys can do anything you want. You know, don't worry about canon in this universe. It changes a little bit. If if you accidentally kill Spock, well, you accidentally kill. Look at J.J. Abrams, right? Destroyed the whole freaking planet. Of course, a lot of people were very upset about that. <laughs> but you know, but give them agency to change things, and or don't say. Well, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't introduce Legolas, and let's say Shannon goes crazy or whatever and decides to kill him. Well, okay, I'm gonna let him kill him, right? Or he can let him try. I don't think Legolas could kick his ass, but <laughs> but uh, but anyway. So so, but I wouldn't just say, oh no, you can't do that, right? You know, so because that gives them less agency. Right. And less control. And it might be frustrating for players to try to keep things canon, right? That's, you know, we, the, that's the worst thing you want to do, right? When you're playing the game and you're running the game as a GM and your players want to do, like, let's say one player has an idea and it's a really good idea. And you as a GM think, oh, that's a fabulous idea. That's, that would work. But other players go, oh, no, that, that wouldn't work. You know, that would change the way the world is or that's not the way it would work in this world or whatever because of canon. You don't want canon to stifle ideas in that sense. There you go. That's it. So pros and cons, I think, you know, it's a fine tightrope, right? As a GM, you got to, you got, you know, and you're, you're the flying Willenda up there, you know, walking. Meeting between, expectations. Meeting and not expectations. Destroying things. Not destroying things. Making it fun. Making it, uh, what is it, familiar and making it feel like you're in that world and, and stuff. But also give them the ability to make decisions that, can impact the world and have, make a difference in that world. And, you know, it's a tough thing. I think it's a, it's a good thing to consider. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day. Mm-hmm.